Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our monthly storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. For our show in May, we told tales of courage, with the word of the night being transformations. I have to warn you, though, we had a few audio issues this month, but the stories are still truly worth the listen, so... In this recording, Caswell Richardson tells his story of growing up and how the clockwork orange really ends. So, a lot of you have probably seen the movie A Clockwork Orange. Some of you might have read the book, too. It's about a 15-year-old kid whose name is Alex, and Alex does some really bad stuff. Um, he's 15 in the book. He's, of course, in the movie, he's older. But Alex is a guy who does some really bad stuff, really, really fucked up stuff, some violent stuff. And eventually he gets caught. And as part of his sentence, he gets sent to some uh, mental psychiatric institution where they do behavioral modification on him and they make him incapable of doing anything violent, even if it's in self-defense. Eventually they decide it's cruel what they did to him and they reverse the whole process and he goes back to being the way he was. When I was 15, when I was the same age as Alex, there were things about me that were, this, that were similar. My life in some ways was, pretty, was the same as Alex. And as Brennan said, today I'm a criminal defense lawyer, so my job is to keep people out of prison, out of jail. But people who knew me then might have thought I was the one who was on the way to a life of crime, on the way to prison. Everyone has a story to tell. This one's mine. So back in 1992, I, went, I was a freshman at Mari, about, for those who don't know, it's about a mile that way, Mari High School. And my parents were really nervous about me going there. I'd been to Catholic school before that for seventh and eighth grade. And they were pretty nervous about me going there because I'd been, I'd been in some trouble before. I'd been suspended a lot. I'd been to the police station, hadn't been charged, but I'd, I'd gone to the police station to be questioned about some, uh, some cars that had been spray painted in the neighborhood because I did it, but, um, but I, I, got, I, I went down to the police station, um, and they made me, they made me agree to uh, all these things in order to go there. Um, I had to be home 20 minutes after school got out every day, even, unless it was an extracurricular activity, but I definitely wasn't doing that back then. My mom actually quit her job so that she could be there to make sure I was home 20 minutes after school got out. And they were, real, they were just really nervous. They, didn't, they were nervous about me hanging out with kids who did drugs and stuff. Um, they wanted me to keep going back to the Catholic school, back where the kids who actually sold the, the drugs to the kids at Mari went. But they, they, didn't, they didn't know that. Um, so things, things started to build up. I was, back then, I was... Um, basically, I had this attitude where if I wasn't doing something... If I was not causing trouble, doing something... Doing something basically causing trouble, going out and fucking shit up, uh, ruckusing, as I came to call it later. Um, if I wasn't doing that, I basically wasn't living. And I really didn't fit in with, there wasn't really a crowd that I really fit, fit in with, but uh, I did have that attitude, had to be ruckusing. Things started to kind of build up um, as, the sem as the year, the semester went on. There was, one, there was one day in algebra class where uh, I just decided to take a pack of cigarettes out, in, cl in class, in, of course, um, pull out a cigarette and light it and smoke it in class. 
Of, of course. Um, just, just to be an asshole. Just, just, to, just to ruckus. Just to, just to ruckus. Um, and my parents kept saying, if you don't get everything together, you're, you're going to go to military school after, after the fall, after this semester's over. So one night, the proverbial shit hit the fan happened. And after that, I knew I was definitely going to go to military school or worse. Um, I had a friend, my friend Adam was staying the night over at my house. And we, we, uh, we had been out earlier that, we had been out that night, we'd gone over to this 7-Eleven over by the Muse. Um, on the way to Tortilla West, you know, you're coming down Regate, turn left, turn left. That's 7-Eleven. Um, and we'd been, we'd been there before. And we, back when you're 15, we got in a bottle, bottle of Mad Dog, MD 2020. Because back when you're 15, that's the best alcohol to get. Because it's, it's thin and it fits down your pants. Because when you, when you can't buy it, that's, that's the way to get it. Um, so we, we had, we'd gotten some of that earlier. And about one or so in the morning, he says to me, we got we to sneak out and go back there, back to 7-Eleven. We got to get more alcohol. And so, so we went. We, we, we made it back there. And 7-Elevens, the thing about 7-Elevens is they weren't always 24 hours. They used to be open from 7 to 11, hence the name. Um, so this one was closed. It was like 1 in the morning. And Adam says, we got to get more alcohol. And I, I looked at him and I say, how the hell are we going to do that? And so I, I, can't, I can't see you right now, Brad, but Adam backs up to about where Brad is from me and takes a flying, gets a running start and takes a flying leap right into the plexiglass and knocks the plexiglass out of the frame. And he says, that's how. So we go, so we go in and um, we get all the stuff we can carry, all the Mad Dog, all the old English Colt 45 we can carry and more. We're dropping stuff on the way out, stuff's breaking, on, glass is breaking on the floor. And because we're at, we went over to the... Um, there's a utility shed over by the tennis courts by that 7-Eleven that's now closed, sealed off. But it used to be, oh, you could, used to be able to go in there. And we went and stashed everything in that shed. We were going we to open our own after-school bar or something like that. <laughs> and because, because we were super, super smart, we went back and made three trips. And on the, third, on the third trip, that's when about 10 police cars showed up. Canine, canine units, German shepherds, all that stuff. And so I, w- I was right by the door at the window, so they, and they got me pretty much immediately. Adam was in the back. They, they, I was in the police car. Adam was in the back, and he was, from what I heard, he, was, he had grabbed a two-wheel handcart and had stacked crates of old English on it. He was wheeling it out. <laughs> And there, there, are two, there are two things I remember. One is I'm probably going to military school when I was in the back of the car. And the second thing I remember in the back of the car was um, on the way to the police station, the cops were saying, oh, man, it smells, oh, man, it smells, oh, it, sm- it smells so bad. Um, so about two hours later, um, after they'd gotten done questioning us and everything, and I'd gotten done being an asshole to the detective and calmed down a little bit, he says to me, your friend was pretty scared. Yeah, your, your friend shit his pants. Um, and well, my parents, my parents got there. Um, and they, they kind of looked like, they just had this look on this, their face like they'd just seen me being run over by one of those um, things that 
run over the cement, uh, a steamroller. Yeah, they just watched me. They just watched people get shot right in front of them or something like that. They looked like some, they just seen someone die. They were really upset. Um, yeah, they were very upset. And the holidays came after that. Uh, the holidays were really were horrible. I remember getting, uh, we, we all were at my grandparents' house, and my mother was just sitting there like someone had just died. And uh, I got books on Alcoholics Anonymous books for Christmas. And <laughs> my uncle actually asked my mom, do you want me to take him out behind the garage and beat the shit out of him? And she said no. My, my sister uh, overheard that and started crying when she heard that. Um, and this whole, this whole period of, my, of our lives, my sister now says she doesn't remember any of it. She, it's all blacked out to her. So come about January, my parents pulled me out of school. And instead of, instead of military school, they decided um, I was going to go to a boy's home. They thought if they sent me to a military school in Virginia, I'd probably just run away, hitchhike back here or something like that. So I went to a boys' home in the middle of Kansas, one January morning, one weekend. That was before it snowed here that much. It was still pretty, it was, it was warmer here back then. So going there was like going to the Arctic. There was snow everywhere. I, I wore this big parka with fake fur on the, on the hood and stuff like that. And... And I got there, and there, there were some kids with, who, with the, there were some really screwed up kids there. Uh, a lot of the kids, some of the kids had, had sexual issues. They'd been sent there by, not, most of them hadn't been sent there by their families like I was. I, I went to court, by the way. I went, I went, uh, I, I got in trouble with, I had to go to juvenile court, but this wasn't part of the punishment, the sentence. This was just something my parents did. Um, most of the people had been sent there by social services or by the courts and stuff, um, and a lot of them had sexual issues. I remember my, my first roommate there was a guy named Brent who would take his, um, all of his clothes off every night except his whitey tighties and jump around and saying, come on, let's wrestle. Let's wrestle. Come on, come on, let's wrestle. Come on. Yeah, and he, he yeah, clearly had no issues at all. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he did. Um, Brent later, I found out, went to uh, federal prison for interstate trafficking of minors for sexual purposes. I Googled them later, years later. But um, they, they kind of expected us, they treated us like they expected us to act crazy. Um, so I, for a little bit, I kind of acted crazy because of that. I remember walking through um, the campus, the, the grounds, and there was this garage type thing, utility type shed. And I just remember thinking, I'm gonna punch through the window of this, this garage. So I punched through the window, and um, I had a big flap of skin that was hanging from my fingernail for a while. Still got a scar right there from it. So things went like that for a little bit. After a few months, though, um, it, it was decided that I was going to come back home, I was going to live with my parents again, and even come back to Mari, go back to Mari again for the next year. And my mom, I remember my mother flew out about... Um, a couple of weeks before I came back, and she came in to visit. And I remember all the other kids just kept staring at her. Not because she was a milf or anything like that, but because they, they just never, they never had a mom. They never had a mom in their lives before. They, it was totally foreign to them. So eventually I did come back, and at first it was like 
Alex in a clockwork orange at the end, the end of the, the, end of the movie, where he says, I was cured all right, sarcastically. He wasn't. He went back to the way he was. I went back to ruckusing. I went back to doing all the things I had done before. But that was, that's the movie. For anyone who's read the book with the, the, the uh, missing chapter, the ending is a little different. And the ending, that one chapter changes the entire meaning of the book. It cuts to three years ahead in the future, and he's, Alex, the narrator, runs into one of his old friends. And that old friend is married and has a kid. And he, he just starts to think, there's more to life than this. There's just more out there. Sometimes it's, it's just time to grow up. And I guess for me, it was like that. There, it wasn't anything overnight. There was no transformation over, overnight. Instantly, it wasn't like going to the, the mechanic for a car and getting it fixed. It wasn't like Optimus Prime transforming into a truck from a robot. It was just, it was just a gradual thing. Um, just realizing there's more to life. That was the transformation. So eventually, um, eventually I did change. I started to gain my own a new identity, my own identity. Didn't have to, to go out and ruckus as much. Didn't have to, to break the law. Um, started writing for zines, fanzines. Eventually started my own. Joined a band for a little bit, but didn't really have much musical inclination, so that didn't last. Just sort of found myself just sort of found my own identity without having to do that. And it took, it took a while, but uh, I did eventually realize, I, f I felt when I'd first been sent there, I kind of had felt like my parents had just totally abandoned me, and I never really wanted to see him again. After, after a while, it, did, it took a long time, but I did realize that they, they sent me there because they, they cared, they loved me, and they just didn't want to see me getting worse than I go down that road any more than I already had been. There was, when I went to court, there was a lawyer who defended me who's a, who's a judge now. Or actually, she's, she's retired. But she does come back every once in a while as a substitute, and she sees me in there. And I'm, I'm, I'm at the table defending kids who are, used to be like me. And she remembers. She gives me a wink every once in a while. So, as Alex said, at the end of A Clockwork Orange, after, he's, after he grows up and realizes there's more to life, he says, that was a story of when I was very young, but I'm not so young anymore. But once, every once in a blue moon, maybe you all can take the time, take a little time to remember the Alex that was. So I have the same feeling. I, th I hope that once, every once in a blue moon, people can know me for who I am now, but people can take the time to remember the cast that was every once in a while. That's all. Thanks, everyone. That was Caswell Richardson on how some troublemakers really do grow up a little. Thanks, Caz, for sharing your story. To everyone else, thank you for joining Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling event at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. 
If you'd like to join Tell Me More or help out in any way, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org where you will find our online submission and contact forms, a schedule of upcoming shows, and more storyteller podcasts. To keep up with the most recent podcasts, you can subscribe to Tell Me More via RSS, iTunes, and Stitcher. If that's not enough, you can always follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Until next time, this is Deb Markham reminding you, a happy ending always depends on where the story ends.